Hello and welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This podcast is aims to help excellent coaches grow excellent businesses. I'm not going to make this intro long. If you're interested in mentoring, head to afmentors.com. If not, enjoy this episode. Hello everybody, I hope you are exceptionally well today. Last week I went to an event that was put on by Meta slash Facebook, Instagram. And by far, if not the only useful part, was the part, was the part, was the Q&A with Grace Beverly, who is the CEO of Tala, which is a sustainable fashion brand and just mega impressive businesswoman. Anyway, I thought I would condense this into the six like take home points I got from that chat and hopefully it's also useful to you guys as well. So firstly, I will say that I probably liked her because she confirmed many of my own biases and I am aware of that, just to put that out there. So I did ask a question at the end, which was essentially, can you have life balance as an entrepreneur or as a business owner? And she basically said, no, or at least that it wasn't realistic and she hadn't nailed it yet, which is reassuring for anybody else who also hasn't quite nailed life balance yet. And actually my question was a little bit more pointed than that. It was, do you think you could have got to where you are without making the sacrifices that you've made, i.e. if you'd had better life balance and again, whatever that is, which is a discussion for another day. And to that, she said, no, I don't think I could have got to where I am without making the sacrifices I had in terms of like maybe going out there, spending less time with friends, like putting so much time and effort into business. And that obviously has to come at the expense of time and effort in other areas of life. And she also made the point, which I think is very useful, I'm trying to think of a better word than that, is very, let's just go with, it's very useful, right? And that's that entrepreneurs tend not to be quote unquote normal people. And thus the advice for the average person probably isn't massively useful. And I think this is something we often forget in all areas of life. Just because somebody does meditation or has four days off a week or only works mornings or I don't know, whatever it is, it doesn't mean that you have to do the same or that your life balance will look the same or that you're doing it wrong. And for example, I am never happier, nor do I ever have more energy than when I actually have quite a lot on. Now, I've certainly pushed it past the point of having more energy and actually just like definitely doing too much, but it's certainly a lot more than what most people would be doing. Now, when I do less, I actually have less energy. So for me, there's a certain line of like busyness that's like optimal and peak and any less than that, and I don't have much energy and any more than that. And obviously I kind of like push it a little bit too far. I wouldn't even say burnout, but maybe not doing my best work. Or you notice, for me, it's noticing my mood. Normally I wake up and I love every single like minute of the day because I love doing what I do. And when I notice that that isn't the case and I'm kind of like, oh God, I've got another call or something. I'm like, okay, I'm doing too much of this stuff. And sometimes it's not that I'm doing too much full stop. It's that I'm doing too much of the same stuff. Like for me, having more than three calls back to back, no, like I never book in more than three unless it's absolutely, like last week was hellish. But anyway, that was because I had to cram everything into the start of the week. 
But knowing that about yourself and knowing kind of what your optimal or what your peak level of busy is, is a very useful thing. Now, would psychology research support this kind of stuff? No, it probably would say that I am constantly in a hyper aroused state, but I am probably an outlier, partly because of dyslexia and ADHD and other (laughs) crazy brain things, but also partly because I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't say that I fit into the norm. And the likelihood is, if you're a business owner, you probably don't either. And as much as it's an interesting consideration to make and looking at the research around psychology and like optimal levels of arousal, et cetera, et cetera. Like I think Amelia talks about your window of tolerance. This will look different for everyone. And for some people, like being more on the level of hyper aroused, saying aroused this many times is a strange thing to do, but anyway, I'm doing it, might actually suit you better. So as much as it's an interesting consideration, it's not one that I am personally interested in taking any action on. So I wanted to explore this idea of life balance a little bit more. And one question that I would like you to think about and one that I've asked myself and one that I think both from like a business perspective, but also even like your clients as well, is this, this is the question that I'm getting to. That's taken me a long time to get to. And here is the question that's coming now. Here it is. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I have created a lot of hype around this. So better be a good question. Are your life balance expectations in line with the goals that you have? Because extraordinary results or really impressive or really huge goals will require extraordinary levels of effort. And that often corresponds with extraordinary levels of sacrifice. So as an example of this, Bill Gates didn't take one day off in his 20s. Elon Musk is reported to work up to 120 hours a week. Now, I'm using these as extreme, extreme examples, right? Because they've created some incredible things. And I'm certainly not suggesting that anyone's like, oh, then I'll work 121 hours a week. But you have to consider that if you have massive goals, it's going to require massive effort. And if you don't have your expectations in line with what the requirements of that goal are, you're going to be disappointed consistently. So a question I often ponder is, can you have this perfect life balance, whatever that is meant to be in society has kind of created one for us, if you want to optimally grow your business? And I don't think you can, but the standard of life balance advice wasn't made for people with really extreme goals. And that doesn't mean like work until you burn out. And it doesn't mean that you have to make more and more sacrifices. Like it is a choice, but you need to own that choice. And I spoke quite a lot about this on the ESG Fitness Podcast this week, which would be episode number... I'm just looking. Could I have paused this? Yes, but I haven't. And now I've almost found it. Um, 444, life balance versus big goals. So if you want to sort of think more about that, um, go and have a listen to that episode. But I actually got massively sidetracked there because obviously it's something I'm very passionate about at the moment. But I want to get back to the points that I got from Grace Beverly. So that was point one, was just thinking about life balance, I guess, (laughs) I think. Anyway, she kind of spiralled some of those thoughts. Uh, The second one is that no one is interested in following a brand 
or a gem. I've made gem because it's more applicable. Applicable? It's more applicable, applicable to the people listening to this. And her point was that people want a story or a personality or a mission. They want something to buy into, like emotively, not just financially. And when it comes to marketing, we should be looking at, this was something she said as well, when it comes to marketing, businesses should be trying to be more like influencers, as in you're buying into a story or a person or a personality, something more than just a brand. Third thing, quite controversial statement, never sell on social media. And this one is pretty bold, which is why I like it. And I think the point was, rather than sell directly, show people and educate people. And that might look like product or service integration, so like a client story or walking through the process of signing up and what people get or highlighting some of the benefits that people have got from working with you. And then you allow the customer to come to you. People generally don't like being sold to. So actually, if you just tell the story or you just show instead of sell, it's a much more not much more nice experience, much more nice experience. You know, if I was more eloquent, I would say something better there, but you get the gist. Number four, if you are going to spend on ads, rather than create some kind of cringy sales pitch, instead boost or share, like boost behind your most engaging organic content. So that was the tip directly from Grace Beverly. Um, number five was that use polls. We should use polls more to gauge what the audience wants. And she made a really good point, which was that businesses would have paid thousands, if not more than that, for the kind of insight that we now have free on our phones by just asking our following. So use polls. Like if you were, I don't know, creating a new logo, instead of guessing what your clients might like, you just use a poll to see, do you like the red one or do you like the black one? Like what color do you think would suit the my coaching service better or how do you want to do your check-ins do you prefer voice check-ins or do you prefer video check-ins or do you prefer written check-ins like engage with your audience so that one they feel like they're being listened to and two you can create a product or a service that people actually want instead of guessing what people want the sixth point was um oh no this wasn't really a point it was just an analogy that i kind of liked Uh, which was that entrepreneurship is like sailing in a boat while you're also making the boat and you're in a storm. I thought that was quite good. And then the eighth... Oh, I said six, didn't I? (laughs) Oh, well. Well, I've got... uh, How many do I have here? Ten. Wow. So the eighth thing I got, the eighth nugget of gold, was that the best mentor for you is someone who's about two to three years ahead of you, not someone who is 10 to 20 years ahead of you. And the best mentor should have just dealt with the problems that you're facing now. So they should be like in the trenches doing the work so that they're still connected to the problems that you're facing. They're not so disconnected that they're like, oh yeah, I kind of know what you're talking about. But I outsourced that kind of stuff like years and years ago because these people that are still doing what you're trying to create, but are maybe a couple of steps ahead of you, they are best placed to help you with the issues that you are having. Now, you may have noticed that I've literally just described myself. And you know what? It wasn't me. It was Grace Beverly that said this. So just putting it out there. But if you do want a mentor who is in the trenches, who does know essentially the problems that you're going to have and has just faced them, 
and didn't stop personal training way before actually online coaching even became a thing, then you might want to head to afmentors.com and you can book a call with me and we can have a chat and see if I can help you reach your business goals. The ninth thing was that your first hire should be an all-rounder and not a specialist. So she made the point that you probably want like a mini version of yourself who can do a little bit of everything rather than someone who is an expert in a specific field. Which I thought was a really good point and made me realise that actually it's exactly what I did with uh, hiring Kimberly, although she wasn't my first hire. And Catherine is like a little me. I mean, better in so many ways, but she is very similar to me. So maybe I did do that uh, without realising. But it's probably a good thing to think about when you're thinking about who you want to hire first. Because I think you can often, I mean, there are also massive pros to hiring people with a different skill set than what you have. That if your problem is like, I've reached capacity and there is the demand essentially for me or for more of me, but I can't fill that demand then actually getting someone who is as similar as possible and can do a lot of the same things that you're doing in a very similar way is probably the best way to do that, aside from cloning yourself, which isn't yet possible. So the 10th thing was hire for culture over experience. And she said that your team need to have the same core values because the people create the culture. So those are the top 10 things. I thought it was six, but it's actually 10 that I got from that talk, which was really, really, really useful and just very inspiring. I think what's interesting is that none of those things are like insanely, what's the right word, like unique or different or things I hadn't heard before, but it's mad the benefit you get from being somewhere in person. I don't really know why that's so different than just listening to a podcast, but I always find that actually being at an event, obviously you have the networking side and things, but there's just there's just a different feel about it. It hits different. So I learned a lot from that. And I feel very inspired after and I'm ready to take some action. And then the bonus I had here was something I was thinking about after. And that was that the problem with being your own boss as like a solo, you're like the only person really that is running the show, is that you have no one to answer to. So you don't have like a board of people that you have to pitch ideas to and that you need to convince, which means that you often don't think through your ideas very well. You're like, oh, this seems like a good idea to me, so I'm just gonna do it, instead of having to convince someone else. And it doesn't have to be like a board of people you're pitching to, but this is something that I think is one of the benefits of mentoring is that with all the AFM coaches, like they kind of, they kind of have to pitch their ideas to me. Now, at the end of the day, it's your business. You do whatever you want. But if you can't convince me that it's the right idea, then it may not be the right idea. Because remember, I am here to help you build a business that is based on your values and to help you reach your three-year plan or your five-year plan or even surpass those massively. But if your idea isn't in line with those things, and I will challenge you on that, and if you can't say to me why actually this is in line with those goals or why those goals potentially have changed and why you want to do this, then it's probably not the right thing to do. And I think that I've definitely made decisions in my own business when I didn't have someone to kind of run things by or talk things over with that definitely weren't the right long-term decision. And I think that that can be avoided if either you have to kind of pitch to a board or 
you've got a mentor to talk things through with or even like a business partner to talk things through with because you have to get them on board as well. So yeah, hopefully this has been interesting and useful and you will take some of these things away and apply them yourselves. If you are interested in joining AFM for mentorship and you want me on your team backing you and your business towards your business goals, then head over to afmentors.com and book a call with me.